Hey everybody, this is Sean and Natasha from Operation Frontline Families, and you're listening to Caregivers Uncorked, the show that explains everything about caregiving to those of you that really want to hear the things that we don't often talk about. Make sure you tune in at the end as well. Stay all the way through for our shit chat. Today, we're going to be talking about kind of a somber topic that we oftentimes don't want to talk about, but it's when caregiving ends because y'all, it is going to end at some point in time. It is. And it's going to end by um, suicide, divorce. Um, what are some other things? How well, could it end? Just from, I, I mean, maybe uh, cross your fingers, improvement of the bedroom where they don't even need you anymore. Yeah. And that's often happen. something we don't talk about. Because even it, someone improving. I don't think it happens a lot. Probably not. No. But it could also be caregiving is going to end. I mean, we all pass away. Yeah. So you're it is die. going to end. You're, you're going to die. If you didn't it, know it, you're going to die. You came well, on this podcast you are your today. Just to learn well, I went to straight to suicide shit, but you, you started out with somber. I did. I did. Maybe it's because. Well, and our suicide rate is high in this space. And so that's the facts of it. It is the facts. And whether you're caregiving for a veteran, a civilian, a first responder, whoever you're caregiving for, at the end of the day, caregiving is going to end at some point in time, and you've got to set yourself up for success. Right. What does that look like? And I love when we're talking to caregivers, um, and most of them we get to have really intimate conversations with at our restorative weekends or in our trauma reboot or our, our um, art workshops, all of our programming. And you can see the ones that are like, they get it. They're like, wow, I never thought about that. Um, what the hell am I going to do with myself? And then there's ones you can just see. They're like, no, it's not. <laughs> it is going to end. And the thing is, when you talked about people being at our restorative weekend and I can, I mean, I have it pictured in my head right now, the way that I remember a few of them looking when we asked that question, if caregiving ends tomorrow, are you going to be okay? And I'm not it's just deer in headlights. Like it is. Uh, it was, oh my gosh. And really, it is. I mean, death, dying, we don't oftentimes think about that. We don't want to think about that. Yet, I think in this caregiving space, it is really something that we must think about because our loved ones are generally at a higher rate of dying younger. Right. Then are then then those that aren't well exactly in the caregiving and not space. just suicide. They have um, their physical health is poorer than our civilian counterparts. Exactly than their civilian counterparts. Right. So and with diseases, dementia, you name it, they have higher rates of it, and so increased rate of death at younger ages. 
Yes. And now when I ask or, or say, are you set up for success if caregiving ends tomorrow? I'm not only talking about is your, is your mental health intact? I, I mean, when that happens, yes, we're going to be grieving. At the same time, you don't want to be grieving and living in your car because you're not set up for success financially. Mm. And in our space, when we know that many veterans don't have life insurance, many veterans aren't able to work because they're disabled, many caregivers aren't working because of caregiving, you may not be able to make it financially unless you put some things in place now. Right. And then living off of extremely fixed incomes, um, lots of lots of them go without those those things in place. Um, as far as maybe life insurance that they can access or savings. Um, and lots of times we work with caregivers that have no idea what's even going on with the finances. Absolutely. That is something that we see quite often, actually, in, in our, especially in our older population, when really, if you look back over the ages, the times are changing, yet way back when it was the male that was taking care of the finances, the Female didn't know about them. They didn't know how to, or even who the bills were being paid to. And if you're in that camp, God, that almost sounds kind of lovely, though, doesn't it? Not to have to like worry about any of it, oblivious, right? Uh, Yeah, can I do that? Um, Yet, if we're not if we're not knowledgeable, and we don't know those things, how are we going to survive? Right. Well, and let's just keep it real too. Um, so because we do work with all eras of veteran caregivers and family members, that was a great point you brought up. But also we see lots of caregivers being financially experiencing financial abuse in this space. And so they don't know because they're not allowed to know and they're, the funds are restricted to them. And that is common. And that's another, that just, it is what it is. It comes up and we hear about it. Yep, you're right. It it is something that is a bit more prevalent than we would like to see. And if you're in that spot, know that we are here. You can reach out to us to really talk through that. Because that's scary. Right. It, it, it leaves you in a spot that if there are other safety issues in the home, you're not safe. Your children aren't safe. What's your way out? So caregiving can end in lots of different ways. We, we've talked about this, and this is one of them. If you're not if you're not able to access those finances, it gets really, really scary. Really scary. 
So what can you do? Right. And then I think a lot of caregivers, when we have these conversations, they feel guilty because if they get their hands on $20 here and there, they start stockpiling, you know, $20 bills. Um, and they have that guilt, like they feel like they're smuggling money and they're lying and hiding from their spouse. Um, but that's so common as well. Um, so because of caregiving ending, what can a caregiver do to be set up for success? Like, what does that look like as far as, and what have we seen? I, I'm thinking of the caregivers, when we have these conversations about caregiving ending, we start having conversations about what they need to do and what things they need to put in place to be able to take care of themselves. And oftentimes they have children in the home that young children that still need care for cared for. And so what does it look like? Is it, are they going back to school? Are they getting part-time jobs? Are they getting jobs where they can work from home? Um, what, what does that look like for them? Well, I want to challenge everyone here. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about my background, and then I'll have a challenge at the end. When I first met my husband, I was a police officer for Kansas City. I know some of you know this, but I was a police officer, and it really came to light that being a police officer and caregiving doesn't quite jive together. Um, it wasn't something that, you know, my husband could call me if he was in a mental health crisis. And there were times that I wanted to leave immediately, but being on, I, I mean, I can remember one specific incident. I mean, I was on a murder scene. I can't, you know, oh, got this phone call, look at my sergeant and go, excuse me, I need to, I need to go home. They, and, and actually, when I did, they're like, why? Why do you need to go home? And then you've got people that don't understand. But so I shifted. I, I left the police department. It was an extremely hard decision for me because it was, um, it was my, <coughs> it was my freedom Sorry. It was my freedom. It was my independence. And I truly felt like I was leaving that. Here, you may need to drink <laughs> my water. <coughs> Natasha, packing up a lung over here. <coughs> Take that drink. Sorry, sorry. Here, see me. Here I am being a caregiver to um, my friend here um, because that's just what we do. I'm anyway, dying. oh, I'm, you, I'm oh, dying. Look, she's even switched our water. I, some of you can't see, but she switched our waters out. Now I don't have any water. Anyway, okay. I'm dying. I am dying now. So I left the police department. And again, it was after 15 years, I thought it was going to be a career. But one of the biggest things for me, one, I, I really felt like I did lose my entire freedom, my financial freedom. That was what it was. And so I, I went back to school. I had almost finished my bachelor's degree. So I went back and finished it. And I also, oh, I want you all to know, like three days after my husband's first suicide attempt started back to school. And, and it was scary. It was absolutely scary. I didn't know if I could do it. 
but I also knew I needed to do it. I needed to do it. So although he was going through challenges, went back to school and shifted into something that I was hopeful would be more conducive to caregiving. And so went back to school, got my master's degree, and then fast forward, um, we started an organization. I do work from home and it has given me a way to stay in the workforce and care give. And by the way, I'm a mom too. So there's lots of different hats there. But the biggest thing for me was one, I met my husband after he, re- actually he was being medically um, discharged at the time. If he passes away, which was a very real day-to-day reality in my household um, due to suicidal ideation, it could it, I knew that it was a huge possibility that I could lose him. So for me, knowing that, knowing that I met him as he was being medically discharged, knowing that I would not have access to his benefits if he passed away, period. I knew for me and my kids that I had to do something to make sure that we would be financially secure if and when he passed away. Was it challenging to go back to school? Absolutely. We were in the throes of um, a mental health crisis. But I can sit here and tell each one of you that has a tough time finding the way of caregiving and working at the same time, I know it's challenging. Trust me, I get it. Um, You heard me say first suicide attempt. We've been through many and it is difficult. Yet in the end, I have to know that I can support myself and I can support my kid. I'm not going to be out on the street if and when he passes away. So I have to think about that. My challenge to each one of you each one of you, and, and I know some of you, there are absolutely no way that you can stay in the workforce, but you may be able to take some side classes. There's a ton of online certificate programs, ton of online graduate or bachelor's programs, graduate degree programs. You can volunteer. Things that keep your resume where you have something other than caregiving to place on it, volunteer, whether that's PTAs at school. I know my resume, I had a lot of that before I entered the workforce again, because I mean, those are volunteer positions, but those are positions where you're doing a lot of, (laughs) whether it's fundraising and now look at the role I'm in, you know, it just, it will come for full circle. And um, don't discount those those volunteer roles you do play. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be full-time work. It could be a part-time job. Through COVID, I think one of the blessings is that there are more remote positions. And if you all need help with finding those or talking through what this looks like, 
reach out to us because we we do get that it's difficult. I um, We were sitting at work today, um, and although we both can work remotely, we do have an office space, and my husband was there today, and out of the blue, <laughs> I actually called him a baby. I called him a baby, um, and he didn't like that and got up, and it was like the end of the damn world happened packs his shit and walks out the door. And I'm like, um, and this wasn't my home. Um, so if y'all listened to the, the episode before this, he wasn't walking out of the home. Um, that wasn't a boundary I said. No, so. he was going home. <laughs> he was going mm-hmm. home. Um, but I, I say that just so you understand that I absolutely know that caregiving and working is challenging. But if you look at and ask yourself the question, am I going to be okay if caregiving ends tomorrow? And you pause and go, wow, I'm not so sure I would be. Right. And, and I think also you really have to, um, going back to when you said you were, please, you know, you were scared of losing that financial freedom. In my head, I was thinking, I'm sure you were scared of losing your identity too. And you probably didn't realize that that was going to be a thing that you could lose um, until you are in the throes of everything. And I think this goes along with caregiving ending is during caregiving, so many lose their identity and they don't know what they're good at anymore. They don't know their, their qualities. They don't know what they bring to the table, but there's, there's so much and their abilities to do all these things and in their caregiving role could really translate to something in the workforce eventually. Um, so it's like stay abreast to what you're, what you're good at, what it is you do on a daily basis. So what so you manage. True. So, so true. So um, for those of you that are viewing this and you can see us, um, I don't know when Natasha, if you could see it, but when Natasha was talking, I d- didn't quite know where which direction she was going with the whole identity piece. And if, if you could be inside my head, and I think at a point in time, there could have been this light bulb moment here. I understand where she's going. The light bulb was above my head, shining brightly. Identity. So, so true. When we become caregivers, it is so oftentimes unconscious. We didn't wake up one day and go, hello, everyone. I am a caregiver today, or I think I'm going to be a caregiver now. That doesn't happen. No, it usually just happens and you don't even realize you are until um, you find people that are like, uh, yeah, that's that's caregiving. That's what you're doing. And they don't even realize it. They think if they're um, their loved one who they're caregiving for, a lot of people just think that's normal duties. What they no, it's not. You should not have to manage another person's medication, right? That's not like... In their 30s, 40s, and yeah, 50s. Yeah, that's not part of it. Or you, even more challenging things that our caregivers manage, um, even with like physical things. And that's not... 
It's not. It's not. It, it's not. It. It, it is not your. Uh, I I know we've had lots of caregivers talk about you know them being told it's their wifely duty to caregive. Yes, we're gonna care. We're gonna care for our loved ones. That is just what we do. But at the same time, like you said, when we take on this role again unconsciously, and then many of us have had to leave work environments. We've had to leave school, and. Therefore, we're searching for something that we can identify with, and it's caregiving. So we wear this, what should be a role, a hat that you have, that you can take off. Mm -hmm. It is not your entire identity, yet it becomes your identity. But that puts us in a trick bag. It puts us in a trick bag of thinking we're always going to be a caregiver and we're not setting ourselves up for success when it ends and it is going to end. Okay. So how can, I got a question for you. Oh boy. Well, so how going back to the how, how can our caregivers set themselves up? You know, whether it is, I know you talked about the education part, but I, and I know like education and going to college isn't like the end all be all of uh, the workforce. And there's lots of other careers and great things um, that they can do. But what else? Like how, how and what can they do? How can you set yourself up for success? Well, for one, you really, really have to think about your finances, right? You have to know them. You have to know where your money is going. I, so another hat that I wear, I teach financial literacy classes, um, budgeting, debt reduction, um, how to save, how to get your emergency fund together. I know this is all quite boring stuff, yet in this caregiving space, it is so, so vital for you to make sure that you understand what your finances are, period. You've got to know what your finances are. So that's the first thing. And what you want to do is figure out if your loved one passed away today, what are you left with in regard to income? We mentioned that many of, at least our veterans, live on fixed incomes, disability incomes. What does that look like? Do you have a pension that you're going to get? Do you have life insurance? What is that income going to be if your loved one passes away? If it is barely nothing, you got to start planning. And although caregiving and working is hard, would you be able to work 10, 15, 20 hours a week? There's a ton of internships out there, especially in our space. So uh, there's not as much in the civilian space, but in this, this caregiving for veterans, military spouses, there are some fellowships out there that you can do from home that you can gain some skills, keep up on your skills. So it's something that you can put on your resume. Just like you brought up too, volunteering. There are so many organizations that, I mean, live and breathe off volunteers. I mean, Operation Frontline Families is one of them. We have some great volunteers. And y'all, we couldn't do this. We are like a 
two-person team here. And without our great volunteers, we wouldn't be where we're at today. So even if you have a couple hours a week that you can volunteer, do that because you can put that on your resume. I think that's so important because a lot of caregivers isolate really well and they get down the trenches and they stop connecting to other people. But I think the key is, and when we do connect to other people, we, it feels good to connect to other caregivers who get us and know us. Right. But I think it's so important to connect to other people outside of this space too, and stay connected to them because those are the people that you're going to need when the caregiving does end. So, so true. I mean, you are so spot on. And I, I, I've said this, but I want you all to know I, I'm deeply involved in caregiving. My, my, my loved one, um, although if you walked in the room, you wouldn't see any challenges, but Natasha saw it today firsthand. Um, and, and that flip of a switch that happens. But it is so important to do you as well. Don't forget who you are in this caregiving space. And if you don't know, if you've lost yourself in caregiving, please reach out to us. Check out our website so that you can get tuned in to those programs that we have that'll get you reconnected and finding out who you were before caregiving and what you can gain from it today. Yes. And so with that, let's get into our shit chat. Okay. Caregiving is going to end. You're connected to all these wonderful veteran organizations, right? And I, I say that sarcastically, and I don't mean to, because there are lots of wonderful veteran organizations, but which ones go research it for yourself. Name them, name the ones that are going to help you as the caregiver when the veteran is no longer, whatever that looks like. When that caregiving role ends or when something happens to whether the veteran passes away, there's divorce um, because divorce is huge in this space. Uh, whatever that looks like, what do those veteran organizations do for that caregiver? I'm going to tell you right now, most of them aren't going to be around for you. But I will tell you that Operation Frontline Families will. You will never not have a place at our table, even if caregiving ends, no matter how it ends. But I want you all to know, if you think that the support that you have gotten along this journey of caregiving with your veteran, and you're going to get the same support from those veteran organizations, it generally is not going to happen. It, it, it is a really crappy reality. Yeah. And that's why I love us because we're so inclusive of all eras of supporting veteran and military and first responder families. We are um, not only inclusive with that, but we're inclusive with caregiving in different situations, whether it's divorce, because just because divorce happens, you're going to still continue to do caregiving role, like your role there's going to be some caregiving still there. And if you have children, you're essentially teaching them. They're taking on that role until someone else is 
crazy enough to get in the picture. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, you're not kidding. But um, <laughs> this is shit chat. You're not kidding. <laughs> you're teaching your kids how to deal with the shit, right? So that's so important. Um, with that, because also we know that with losing identity comes addiction and all that stuff. Tune in next time to listen to just how addiction plays a role. And it, it doesn't necessarily mean alcohol or drug addiction. There's all kinds of addiction that we see in this space. Tune in. We have a special guest, Kelly Ray Phillips, who's our uh, our third man on our team. And woman. like a third woman, like, share, subscribe to all of our uh, podcast channels and send in your fan mail. That can be comments, questions, um, gifts for Sean. Send that. I don't in. need any gifts. <laughs> well, Especially I guess if you, you can't necessarily, you can send gift cards through email at podcast at operation frontline families.org. Yeah. And I don't need gifts, especially if you listen to our previous episode. I don't need any of those gifts. We'll see you next time.